This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. How many of you know that when it comes to looking at the world that we live in right now, that the world has become an instant world, hasn't it? My wife and I were laughing. We just moved into a house that, by God's grace, we were able to buy. And uh, we, we finally discarded a gallon tub of instant mashed potatoes that I've had since I was in college. Because I was scared that one day the world was going to end and I needed that mashed potatoes. I mean, this, it literally went out of date in like 1994. <laughs> That's when it went out of date. And I've had that gallon tub of instant mashed potatoes. I thought I would just have a little fun with you and just look at five of, of the things that I think that are just funny and awesome all at the same time when it comes to instant. The first is this. If you've ever traveled internationally, you're a coffee person. You, you know this is a must to travel with. The Starbucks Via came out a few. They literally freeze dry the coffee. They brew coffee and freeze dry it. So it is instantly a cup of Starbucks coffee with some hot water added to it. The next thing, look at this. Instant potato chips, right? This is French fries in your hand. Ketchup and French fries, instant. You don't even have to do anything except open the bag and have it your own way. Thank you, Burger King. All right, next one, next one. Instant weight loss. How many of y'all know that is not true at all? (laughs) And I I have no idea what doctor approved this, but... 10 pounds in 10 days, instant. That doesn't seem very instant, but next one, next one. This is my favorite for me, personally. That's a real product. You can order that stuff. Isn't that crazy? I go rubbing that stick on my head. I ain't going to have hair. (laughs) That ain't going to work at all. And the, the last one, wait, don't show it yet. The last one, this is the worst instant product ever created in human history. Look at this one. An instant tan. I'm just telling you, man. We live in an instant world, don't we? A world that wants everything right now. That we want it as fast as we can get it. And we've looked at that a little bit. But I want to tell you something that's important. This is the first thing in your notes. That good things come to those that are patient. Good things come to those that are patient. We want things to happen in an instant, but... Good things come to those who are patient. A few weeks ago, in the first part of the series, we looked at the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the fruits of the Spirit, one of the things that the life of the Holy Spirit actually living on the inside of us actually produces is patience. And good things come to those that are patient. Look at this verse out of Galatians, Galatians 6, 9 from the New Living Translation. So let's not get tired in doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. The King James said, don't grow weary in doing well. Let's not get tired of doing what is right because in the right season, we will reap a harvest. And you know, when it comes to what we've been talking about for the last few weeks, most of us want an instant life and we 
don't realize that there are some things that are at work in life that as God has created them. That most of the time when we try to make an abrupt 180, that we try to do something without the power of God behind us, and we feel like we're just getting mowed over, we've missed something that's important. I want to go back and revisit really what's the series theme. Okay, it's real simple. I believe this is in your notes. That we will find our greatest source of strength from what lies at the center of our lives. We will find our greatest source of strength from what lies at the center of our lives. And we can blow that decision. We can put our family at the center of our lives. And we will find strength in our family, but it is a false savior. It is not strong enough to save you. That strength will eventually fail. We can put our career at the center of our lives and we can sacrifice and find strength in our career, but it is a false savior. It was not strong enough to save you. Only Jesus is really the authentic center. So really, last week we looked at this, that when Jesus is the center of our lives, Our life's journey has both a destination and a direction. When Jesus becomes the center of our lives, Jesus gives us the goal. The goal is to be like Jesus, and he gives us the direction, come and follow me. So this week, we're going to wrestle with an important question that comes with that journey before I show you that I want to show you this in John 16:33 Jesus said in this world you will have trouble but take heart I have overcome the world in other words in this life as you try to navigate the world and to move towards me when you make that decision to make me the center of your life and I become the destination and the direction of your life something's going to happen in this world you will have trouble you will experience resistance you will the world is not flowing in a direction towards Jesus we're going to step out and really become People that live in a counterculture experiencing the resistance of a world that beats against us. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So the real question when we embark on a journey with Jesus, when we choose to make Him the direction and the destination of our life, the real question is what can I do to increase the momentum in my spiritual life? What can I do to increase the momentum that is in this journey? Let's take a moment and look at really what momentum is. Do a little physics in here today. How about that? Momentum is mass times velocity. Momentum is mass times velocity. It is an object that has weights and amount to it that is traveling at a certain rate of speed. 
in our spiritual lives have momentum. Our lives in general have momentum. And you know what? We will go through seasons when we look back over our lives, when we think about where we are, when we try to understand what's going on. We will look back and go, you know what? I really don't feel like right now my spiritual life has a lot of momentum behind it. Let me give you some signs that I think would be helpful in you understanding if right now you're living in a spiritual life that does not have a lot of momentum, you are not gaining a lot of traction in the journey to follow Jesus. The first thing that I would tell you is that you're living with unreasonable fatigue. I'm not talking about a sickness or an illness. I'm talking about you're tired because you're working hard all the time to try to do something that only God can do. You're living with unreasonable levels of fatigue. The second thing that I would tell you is perhaps you've been living a light switch life. A light switch life. Where you're on and then you're off. You're on and then you're off. You're on and then you're off. That doesn't work in gaining momentum in following Jesus. Because, see, really, what happens is that when we live lives that are with the wrong center, the direction of our lives starts to create negative momentum. See, our lives can actually embark on a negative journey that has the wrong center, and we gain momentum going the wrong way. The last thing that I would say is we know that we lack momentum spiritually when we are working very hard, but we're not gaining any traction. I'm doing a lot of stuff. I'm engaged in a lot of activities, but I'm not really moving anywhere. Because Jesus' invitation was not a laundry list of please do these things. It was come and follow me. So if our lives are going to have the right kind of momentum, we have to learn to increase the mass and increase the velocity that we find in our lives. Today, we're going to look at some simple ways to do this. We're going to get real practical today. The thing that I would tell you about mass initially is mass isn't about getting bigger. Mass is about being full. Mass isn't about getting bigger, mass is about being full. Look at what Jesus says in John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. You see, mass isn't about getting bigger and bigger. I know some of you guys who see you at the gym, right? You guys are already swole up, like way beyond swole, right? Like that's just mass right there. All right. Mass is 
not just in our spiritual lives about getting bigger. Mass is about living a full life. And I would tell you this, that a full life comes from relationships. A full life comes from relationships with Jesus and with others that he puts in our lives. So today we're going to get real practical when it comes to looking at mass and velocity. We're literally going to go back to one of the foundational statements in all of the Bible, to the Ten Commandments. I don't have time to pull them all out and show you how they relate, but we're going to go back through several of them. And I'm going to give you some some pointers to increase in both areas. Okay? How to increase our mass. How do we increase the people that we're on journey with, the people that are around us, that matter to us, that are propelling us forward in the right direction? The first thing that I would tell you is to honor your family. To honor your family because you'll need them. How many of y'all know that your family is probably some of the few people in the world that will tell you when you're really blowing it? Really. The Bible says in Exodus 20.12, look at this, honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, comma, full life. Now, let me just talk to you about that statement for a moment. Now, anybody that's been a parent ever, right, we know I don't get it right all the time, right? As good as I can be, as hard as I can try to be a good parent, I don't get it right. I don't, I, I just don't. So when I look at my, my children, do I expect them to honor me anyway? I do, don't I? So why is it that when we look at the rest of our family, we think if they blow it, I'm not going to honor them? Why is it? Why is it that we feel like we can break that when someone else offends us? Yeah, they got it wrong. People get it wrong. But we still honor them. See, the thing is, is that your family most likely is a gift to you from God. Sometimes that gift is a blessing. Sometimes it is a process that God is using to work something out in you. We don't all come from phenomenal families. That's the truth. Some of you, I know your stories, you have difficult situations when it comes to mom and dad and all of the things that surround family. But God put a little hook on the end of that. Honor your father and mother and you will live a long life. In other words, there's going to be advice that they're going to give you. These are going to be the people that step up and go, no, that's a bad idea. No. No, you should, you should not spend money on that right now. That's a bad idea. Now, I know that you saved up a down payment for a house, but this four-wheeler that you think you're getting a good deal on, that's a bad idea, Kevin. Don't do that. You see, our, our family, they're, they're some of the few people that will step in in our lives and do that for us. And you see, that's not just a bottom-up thing. 
is it? That's not just kids honor. Really, as Moses is delving this out, the perspective is, is that as parents we would honor our children. That we would respect them and cherish them. That we would view them. That we would look at all of our family and honor them the way that God would have us to do. To increase the mass that's on your journey, the first thing that I would tell you is to honor your family. The second thing would I, that I would tell you is to be a giver, not a taker. In the course of the Ten Commandments, there are certain sections of them. Towards the end of the Ten Commandments, God goes into what the rabbis called the relational commandments. The commandments that govern the way that we were to relate to one another. They had to do with our relationships. And one of the guiding principles in all of those is that we are supposed to be givers, not takers. Let's look at those. Exodus 20.13 You must not murder. What is It's saying, you must not take life. God is the giver of life. You be a giver of life, not a taker of life. You must not commit adultery. God is the one that establishes relationships. You must be the person that gives affection to the right person, but doesn't steal it from someone else. All right? You must not steal. Exodus 20.15. Don't take something that isn't yours. Be a giver and not a taker. And I will tell you something. In life, if we will allow the Holy Spirit to transform the way we think about friendships, if we will become the kind of person that walks into a relationship simply asking, what can I give, not what will I get? You will find more authentic, real friendships than you ever dreamed you could ever have. Because God's plan for us is that we be givers, not takers. That we be generous with life. That we give life to the people that are around them. Because there are more ways to murder someone than just with a gun or a knife. Do y'all know what I'm saying? That we don't steal affection from someone that belongs to someone else. That I don't try to become someone's husband, dad, whatever position it is in their life that I'm not. And that I respect the fact that God has given me what I need. And stealing happens in many different forms. But it is simply the selfish act of taking instead of being a giver. See, God is a giver. What does John 3.16 say? We all know it. That God so loved the world that He gave. There's nothing that makes us look more like Jesus than when we give. And I promise you that if we can do those two things, if we can honor our family, if we can be a giver, not a taker, then somehow 
God will surround us with people and relationships that will propel us forward in the journey of following Jesus. The second thing that I want to look at is velocity. And I would tell you today that velocity is not about going faster. Velocity is about speed that refuses to stop. It's not about going faster. It's about not stopping. So what do we need to do to build the kind of speed and momentum in our spiritual lives that does not stop? That no matter what I hit, no matter pocket of resistance, no matter where I come to in life, no matter what the roadblock is, it will not stop me because I have the momentum of God's given plan behind my life. I have been pouring into what God has asked me to do. The first thing that I would tell you that you need to do is you need to have regular periods of rest. You need to have regular periods of rest. Some of you are a mile a minute like flying Mach 10 with your hair on fire all day long, every day. Eventually, that catches up with you. And that's exactly why in Exodus 28, God says this, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but on the seventh day, The seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest and dedication to the Lord. You see, let me just give you something that I want you to think about if you're that person that you can't stop. Is there has to come a point in our lives where we stop on a regular basis, we rest, and we say, I am not God. God, if it's going to get finished, you finish it. There has to be a moment where we choose to be still and to rest and to recognize that God is God and I am not God. What does the psalm say? Be still and know that I am God. You see, the inverse of that is true, and I say this often, that if we refuse to be still, we will never really know that He's God. If we're not still, we'll never get to see Him work. If we're not the kind of person that can rest, and I don't just mean staying in the bed all day, but sometimes there are circumstances that come up in our lives and we just need to rest in them. I don't have to fix it, God. You're God. I've done the work that you've asked me to do. I'm resting in the fact that you can carry this on to completion. We need Regular periods of rest. The second thing that I would say is that we do not need to allow our life to have a false center. That when our lives, 
wrap around something that is not Jesus. It is only going to lead to destruction and devastation. See, the thing that happens when we elevate something that is good to God, when we make that which is a good thing, a supreme thing, when we wrap our lives around a blessing, we break it. Because we take that which was given and which is good and we make it sinful. See, children, good. Children make horrible gods. I don't know if you've ever seen a two-year-old eat a cupcake. I saw that happen yesterday. She's not Jesus all right, I saw it. I witnessed it with my own eyes. Cupcake everywhere, right? She is not. She's a great daughter, but she's a horrible Savior. All right? Men and women, I mean, in the context of marriage, marriage is wonderful. It's a blessing. It is a gift from God. Husbands, cherish your wives, but wives make pretty horrible gods in the same way. Right? Husbands make awful saviors. When we live life with the wrong center, we're going to lead ourselves into a path that leaves us broken and messed up. Look at what Exodus 24 says. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind. You see, what happens when we make an idol is we make it our God. We take something that is created and we worship it as Creator. And we wrap our lives around it. We worship it. We respond to it. It infects every area of our life. But when we have made Jesus the center of our lives, He has the opportunity to affect everything that we do. So we must not allow ourselves to have a false center. And number three, I would say refuse to run your own play. Refuse to run your own play. God has a plan. And all too often, we have a plan. And I think that one of the saddest things that we'll face when we get to heaven is looking at how many times we looked at God and said, I think my plan's better than yours. I mean, I know that you created all of this. You put it all in motion. You designed me and you designed every person. But God, let me tell you how it needs to go down. That doesn't make any sense. As Moses begins to give the Ten Commandments, he gives this one, the first one, Exodus 23. You must not have any other God before me. The great Martin Luther, the reformer, said this of the first commandment. If we keep that, we don't need the other nine. If we can figure that one out, we don't need the rest of them. 
As a matter of fact, the other nine are simply a diagnosis to show us that we've broken the first commandment. That we now have another God other than Jesus in our lives. Don't run your own play. Don't look into the heart of God and say, God, it just won't work. I know that you're telling me that I need to forgive, but you know I would really like to hold on to this bitterness a little longer because it's been so good so far. God, I, I know that we're, we're pretty much broke. I know that your Bible tells us that you've provided and really we've always been able to pay our bills, but, but we're just not doing good financially and I know your plan is that we would be givers, and, but God, we can't because we don't have enough money. God, I, I know that you want me to love my wife in spite of the difficulties that I'm experiencing right now. I know that you want me to be a faithful husband when I feel like I've been lied to and cheated on. But God, I think it would just be better if I walked away. God, I know that there's that thing that I shouldn't get close to. And I know that it's always around my friends, but you know what? I'm strong enough in you to go hang out with those friends. God, I have my own plan. Bless it. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And it's sad. And broken. If we're going to live with Jesus as the center of our lives, if we're going to make Him the destination and the direction of our journey, if we're going to live with momentum that will not stop, we have to refuse to do it our way. You know the great thing about momentum? It's tough to build. But by God's grace, it can change in a moment. I don't know if you guys are football fans, but going into the Super Bowl, nobody could talk about anything but Peyton Manning. Y'all remember that? I mean, everybody loves Peyton Manning. I love Peyton Manning. I'm a football fiend. I love it, right? And he's a phenomenal football player. And going into that game, all the momentum, right? All the momentum from the media and from the circus surrounding the Super Bowl lied right there with Peyton Manning. I want to watch the first play of the game, and I want you to see how momentum can change in a moment. You see, in an instant, in one instant in that game, Momentum changed, and it was impossible for them to recover. See, right now, I don't know where you are in life. I don't know that when you look at your life, if you feel like the right momentum is behind you right now, but you can make a decision today 
to choose to put Jesus at the center of your life. You can make a decision today to choose to look at Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be transformed into your image. You can choose today to change the momentum that your life is traveling with right now. Let's pray. God, thank you that the, those of us that are in the room today, those of us that have felt tired, those of us that have felt broken, those of us that are experiencing the wear on us from traveling the wrong direction with the wrong center, thank you that today those of us who have had the ball snapped over our heads by our friends, that we have been thrown under the bus by life, God, those of us that are here that need the momentum in our lives to change, that by Your grace and mercy today, we can overcome. Thank you for telling us that we would have trouble. But God, more importantly, thank you for telling us that you've overcome all the trouble that we would ever face. And so God, as we begin to feel the resistance that comes in life, and it's naturally going to come, let us focus ourselves on creating the right kind of momentum in our lives. Now with nobody looking around, Nobody up, moving, just quiet, eyes closed, head bowed. Let me ask you a question today. It's just a really simple question. Right now, is your life following Jesus? Right now, and, and, and I'm not talking about any decision you've made in the past. I'm not talking, just really, right now, is your life following after Jesus? Is Jesus right now the ultimate goal that you're chasing? Is He the way and the truth for you right now? Or have you made something that is good the wrong center in your life? Are you trusting in the wrong Are you worshiping the wrong thing? Because momentum can change in an instant if you'll choose Jesus. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask that question again. Those of you that are here, and you would say, I have been going the wrong direction. I've been living a life that is not chasing Jesus. But I want to. I want to be the kind of person that when I'm found in life by Him, I am found chasing after Him with my sole desire to be transformed into Him. If that's you, and you say, I'm not going that direction, but I want to, right now, I'm going to ask you to do nothing more. Would you raise your hand? If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? I've been going the wrong direction but I want to right now decide to chase after Jesus. 
there anybody else today? Is there anybody else that would raise their hand? And again, it's just between you and Jesus. Hey, God, I've been going after something that I know is broken and lost, but I want to go after you. Is there anybody else? So God, today, for those of us that are tired and weary, those of us that have, God, we've felt the weight of the journey and perhaps it's gotten to us. God, for those of us that have had the wrong center, for those of us that have been going the wrong way, those of us that are making the decision right now to look into you and to place you at the center of our lives, to allow you to become the direction and the destination of our lives. God, right now, Come and do what only you can do. And that set us free. Mold us. Change us into the image of your son, Jesus. Give us the strength when times get difficult to take the next step. Encourage us, God, when we feel a little down. When we feel lost, God, help us to look to you so that we can find our way in you by your grace and mercy be our Savior and our Lord it's in the name of Jesus we pray Amen